Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Tonight on The Readout. I think we're in very good shape. We just rolled it out yesterday. We're, we're working, talking through all the members. and you. I don't want to break all expectations. I want you to follow it. I want you to be on the floor. I want the anticipation. I want you to see. I want you to see as the clock goes up. I want you to write stories like I'm teetering, whether I could win or not, and the, the whole world hangs in the balance. Oh, word. That's what you want. Kevin is still playing a dangerous game, joking about a debt default while still refusing to specify what it is that he wants to cut. His chaos caucus, meanwhile, grows more emboldened to make a spectacle out of, well, everything. Plus, the brand new super PAC that wants to help America move past the gutter politics of the Margie Greens and Lauren Boeberts and Matt Gaetzes. The founding members of that pack, all familiar names, join me tonight. And Ron DeSantis has put all of his chips on fighting woke, going MIA from his state as it endures an actual crisis. But surprise, he's getting the pudding squeezed out of him by Donald Trump when it comes to Florida endorsements. We begin tonight with the Kevin McCarthy caucus. It has been 107 days since Republicans took control of the House of Representatives. And so far, it's been, to put it lightly, a smoking hot mess. Just this week, you had Congressman Jim Jordan dragging the Judiciary Committee on a field trip to New York City for a sham hearing about crime, when in reality, it was just basically an excuse to go after D.A. Alvin Bragg and play lawyer to a twice impeached and now once indicted former president. You also have George Santos introducing a bill called the Menage Act. Seriously, it's an apparent nod to rapper Nicki Minaj that would limit the federal government's ability to impose vaccine mandates. Other than that, it's been a lot of buzzwords like woke, trans, and CRT, you know, whatever will get them a spot on Fox primetime. But while all of this is happening, the country is also quickly approaching a potential economic crisis. If Congress does not increase the debt ceiling by this summer, the government is at least at risk of going into default and tanking the economy. And right now, there is no sign of any solution that the House, Senate, and President could all get behind. Yesterday, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy finally unveiled his plan, a bill that would raise the debt ceiling into next year, but would also slash federal spending by roughly $130 billion. And where would they make those cuts, you ask? Well, apparently, they still don't know. The Washington Post is reporting the spending reductions probably would target federal health care, science, education, climate, energy, labor, and research programs, while leaving untouched the Pentagon and services for veterans. But the bill still does not specify the exact agencies or programs on the chopping block. The bill would also raise the age limit on work requirements for those receiving federal food aid from programs like SNAP, leaving millions of low-income adults without food assistance. That proposal is, special, is essentially dead on arrival in the Senate, and that is if it can even get through the House. But Kevin is threatening that if he doesn't get what he wants, he will hold the American economy hostage. Let me be clear. A no-strings-attached debt limit 
increase will not pass. On top of that, you have Congress members like Marjorie Taylor Greene who are using their taxpayer-funded time to turn committee hearings into total clown shows. Yesterday, during a Homeland Security hearing, Greene was silenced after repeating a debunked right-wing conspiracy theory that a Democratic colleague is having an extramarital affair with a Chinese spy, while also calling the Homeland Security Secretary a liar. That was quite entertaining from someone that had a sexual relationship with a Chinese spy, and everyone knows it. But I moved to take her words down. How long are you going to continue this outrage, complete outrage, where China is poisoning America's children, poisoning our teenagers, poisoning our young people? How long are you going to let this go on? Congresswoman, let me assure you that we're not letting it go on. We are fighting this. No, I reclaim my time. You're a liar. (sighs) Reports say that some Republicans were supposedly furious about that outburst. But Marge doesn't seem too scared of any repercussions. In fact, she doubled down on her obscene remark on the Twitters. But why should she worry? If there's one thing we learned from Kevin McCarthy's leadership, it's that there is no bottom. Whether it's lying or racism or an insurrection, you can pretty much get away with anything under his leadership. Joining me now is California Congressman Eric Swalwell. Uh, Congressman, I, you know, I do have to ask. I mean, Marjorie Taylor Greene started out as a, a Q-tuber uh, and, a, and an online troll. And apparently that's still her job, except now we're paying her to be a Q-tuber and an online troll. I am just curious what it is like to have to share committee space with that person. Uh, well, Joy, uh Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, has the job of speaker. Kevin McCarthy has a title. That's why it's, it's, it's so uh, terrifying. And she got so worked up and, and you know, hurled uh, you know, that nonsense at me because I had pointed out uh, right before her uh, that they have now become the party that uh, doesn't back the blue, they back the coup. And I walked uh, Secretary Mayorkas through Marjorie Taylor Greene and Donald Trump's various statements about defunding uh, the police and defunding the FBI. And, and of course, that was her response. Uh, it was interesting, though, that she was ultimately muted uh, by her own chairman, who she would also go on uh, to attack later on that day as a rhino. It's complete chaos. He said, what is it like to be there? It's like, you know, working every day in the land of misfit toys. Uh, but we are, as Democrats, working for working people and trying to make sure that uh, our kids go home safely after school and are free from gun violence, that we bring down the cost of health care uh, and that we tackle uh, climate chaos. Uh, but as you can see, they have uh, one third of government essentially right now, and they can do some damage. Well, do some damage, but also stop any actual work getting done. I mean, the thing that is so uh, upsetting about it beyond just the personal insults is that there's actually real work that Congress actually needs to do. I mean, it is a real job you're supposed to have. And you have these people here like her who aren't actually there to do that. They're just there to troll. They're literally taking their trolling that they used to do online and that they could easily just do without us having to pay them. They could do it on Twitter, but instead they're getting paid to do it. I don't see that she does anything else. Has she, are there any bills with her name? on it? Does she do anything other than that? No, that, that's what she does. And it's, it's actually interesting that Kevin McCarthy wants to put in place, you know, work requirements, uh, you know, for cancer patients <laughs> who are on food stamps. Uh, if Kevin McCarthy or Marjorie Taylor Greene had to pass a work requirement, they wouldn't get paid. 
clearly. I want to play a very nice young gentleman. I think he's a freshman, Representative Jeff Jackson of North Carolina. This is what he had to say. I ran into him here at the studio last night. Lovely guy. And what he had to say to my friend Chris Hayes, I think is interesting. Let's take a listen. It's really clear from working there for just a few months that most of the really angry voices in Congress are totally faking it. These people who have built their brands around being perpetually outraged, it's an act. That wasn't his interview on Chris Hayes. That was actually from his very popular TikTok because he's been telling this to the world. Do you experience the same thing after you get attacked by somebody like Marjorie Green, who, let's just face it, is an unserious person and an embarrassment that she's a member of Congress and has the same job as you? Do your Republican colleagues come up to you afterwards and say, I'm sorry, man, we think it's oh, embarrassing, too? They love to, to bro out and backslap uh, because they work in entertainment. I, I call it uh, a pro wrestling culture where uh, when the cameras are on, they give the fans what they think they want, which is to hit me and others over the head with a steel chair. Uh, I call these fans constituents. Uh, but when they're not on, you know, many of them will come up to me and, you know, one recently uh, invited me uh, to dinner. Uh, another, uh, Jim Jordan, by the way, in the gym, you'll, you'll walk by him uh, in the gym every morning. And he'll ask you, how was your weekend? How are you doing? It's just like, what's going on here with these folks? Like, this is serious stuff that we're doing. Uh, this is not just for the fans. Uh, and there are real consequences if the fans think that this is real and you actually don't even believe. I mean, we just saw the Dominion uh, trial in which we learned in the pretrial period that most of the people at Fox are faking it. They're pretending to be MAGA. They're pretending to like Donald Trump when, you know, Tucker Carlson actually thinks he's a demonic force and hates him uh, and uh, passionately despises him. And th But they are willing to give their audience the, the, the what they want, right, to give them the grist for their rage because it's good business. In Congress, though, it's not a business. I mean, what you guys' job is, is protecting Homeland Security. It's making sure that health care is funded. It's making sure that bridges uh, and roads get funded. Like, there's actual work. Do any of your Republican colleagues have any interest in doing bills, in doing laws, in, let's say, I don't know, doing the debt ceiling deal? Do they actually want to work or are they literally just auditioning every day to get on Tuckum's show? Joy, I, I had an hour-long uh, uh, drink uh, last night uh, in the office of a Republican colleague. He and I are doing work on an important issue. Uh, I'm not going to out him because that'll get him in trouble, but I, I can yeah, represent sure. him that they're not all uh, like that. Um, but there are consequences to, the, to this crazy. Uh, and I'll give you an example. We're supposed to protect the most vulnerable. We're supposed to protect kids. Uh, and today they passed uh, a, a, a bill that essentially uh, invades the locker rooms of every school in America and allows, uh, you know, people to inspect the genitals of our kids because Republicans have convinced uh, many of their base uh, that, you know, the zero, 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 one percent of kids who, you know, want to uh, trans kids who want to play a sport uh, are going uh, to affect your kid. Uh, and so they exaggerated this issue. And now trans kids are being attacked. Uh, and they have made it seem like it's Democrats' obsession. And Joy, let me just tell your viewers, uh, when you're at home and you're talking about this issue, this is not our obsession. This is their obsession. And we need to play on their side of the field on their issue, that this is Republicans voting to invade the locker rooms of our kids' schools to conduct genitalia checks. That is crazy. 
That's creepy. So their obsessions have consequences and kids are going to get hurt because of it. Well, their obsession is that child uh, bringing back child labor in some states, bringing back child marriage, forcing children to give birth to their rapist children, their rapist babies, forcing women to give birth. Everything seems to be cultural and social issues, and some of it dangerous. The same Marjorie Green, uh, the troll that has the same job as you, for whatever reason, uh, the fates have allowed it, was out there defending the Teixeira, the kid who stole the young man who stole America's secrets just for clout chasing. So he's basically her, but uh, a, a guy stealing secrets, right? Just trying to clout chase online to his friends in a little like racist circle that they were in and said that the re- only reason that he is being prosecuted is because he's white and Christian and male. That to me seems like a pretty dangerous to say, because now you're saying the government is at war with white Christian men instead of the government is protecting its secrets. How has that gone over with your Republican colleagues. And, and you're inviting more leaks that will harm our troops, yeah. that will harm allies, that will harm Ukrainians. And, and what's most shocking to me, Joy, is that you would think that the person who is second in line to the presidency, again, the person who has the title of speaker, not sure if he has a job, Kevin McCarthy, second in line to the pre- presidency, has said nothing. So when you say nothing and you allow Marjorie Taylor Greene to essentially give aid and comfort to this traitor, you yourself are giving aid and comfort to this traitor. You are condoning it in your silence. And that's what's just so uh, maddening, uh, that he would give her that permissive environment to encourage more leaks. Well, to uh, update the Ronald Reagan line, I think the most frightening words that one could ever hear is Kevin McCarthy is second in line to the presidency. That's a frightening thought because he doesn't I don't know if he could control a preschool, let alone controlling the House of Representatives. And somebody needs to be in charge. Congressman Eric second in line to the presidency, essentially. Yeah. Okay, everyone. Scaring is caring, but actually that might be a little bit too scary for me tonight. Uh, Thank you, Congressman Eric Swalwell. That's terrifying. Just to think about that. Think about that. That woman is in control of House Representatives. Who make it make sense? Eric Swalwell, thank you very much. Up next on The Readout, I will talk with the leaders of a brand new bipartisan PAC, Mission Democracy, which was founded to challenge extremist candidates like Marjorie Taylor Greene. The Readout continues after this. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. You can live out your MasterChef dream when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Margie Taylor Greene may have the most outsized influence of the most extreme MAGA wingers in Congress, thanks to Kevin McCarthy, selling his soul to her to become speaker. But she's really just one of the loudest of the dregs of the right-wing extremists in the Republican caucus. There's gun-toting Lauren Boebert, pew, pew, who this week signed on to a brief asking the Supreme Court to ban the abortion medication Mifepristone. 
and Paul Gosar, who's gone from sharing cartoons of himself killing Democrats to more recently linking to Holocaust denial and anti-Semitic content on his House newsletter just this week. A newly formed PAC is taking them on, along with some of the other worst of the worst MAGA Republicans. The bipartisan Mission Democracy PAC aims to stop the far-right MAGA members of Congress back in their home districts, making clear in their first new ad that Margie is just the avatar of the extremists. Roe versus Wade has been overturned. And our government is held hostage by a band of politicians so extreme that only the word fascist describes them. Extremists are taking over America. It's not just Marjorie Taylor Greene. It's the entire Green team. We all thought they were just a bunch of crazies. They are here. They are elected. They wield power. Joining me now for their first TV interview are three founders of Mission Democracy PAC. Uh, Chairman Marcus Flowers, who ran against Marjorie Taylor Greene last year. Olivia Troy, chief operating officer of the PAC and former advisor to Mike Pence and former Republican Congressman Denver Riggleman, who is a member of the PAC's board. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for having us. I feel like I should go to you first because you did you 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 took the heat of trying to run against that woman. Um, and so I guess the question I guess to ask all of you is, is it even possible to dislodge people like Marjorie Taylor Greene when people who've seen her, they know she's an Internet troll. They know she follows teenage shooting victims around in Capitol Hill and that she's not wrapped too tight and they still voted for her. Is it even possible to dislodge someone like her? Well, Joy, you tried. Yeah. I tried, didn't get the outcome that I wanted, but what's the alternative? Throwing our hands up and not doing anything? Allowing fascism to take hold in our country? We can't do that. Yeah. We have to try, we have to bring this fight and educate people in those districts about the dangers of the radicalization that people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and her fascist Green Team lineup are pushing all over our country. So, so my question is, is, is how do you do it? I'll start with you, Olivia. I mean, you're, you're not just dealing with Marjorie Greene and her online fans. You're also dealing with Fox. We just had this, a young man named Clint Ludwig. He's the grandson of the man who shot this young man, this little boy, Ralph Yarl, in the face and in the head, I mean, and, and then shot him again. This is what he said about how his grandfather got radicalized. Take a quick listen. I feel like a lot of people of that generation are caught up in this uh, 24-hour news cycle of fear and paranoia perpetuated by some other news stations. And he was fully into that, sit and watch uh, Fox News all day, every day, blaring in his living room. And I think that stuff really kind of reinforces this negative view of, of minority groups and leads people to be a little, this doesn't necessarily lead people to be racist, but it reinforces and galvanizes racist people. Olivia, you were Homeland Security, uh, you know, you were in Homeland Security Department. You were in charge of things like counterterrorism. This is radicalization that is taking place from Fox News, from a lot of these online sites. How do you fight that when you have people so radicalized that they would shoot a child at their door? Yeah, well, no, that's absolutely it. I, that's why this is so dangerous. That is why these people that are elected officials, the leaders of the Republican Party that are sitting out there, their words matter. And so they're working together with Fox News. It's one big machine. And I think that's why it's important to really reach out at the local level into these communities where it's happening, because it's actually reaching those viewers, reaching those voters and having a conversation about why this matters, why it's important, what it means. Right. What does it mean when you start to undermine law enforcement, the courts? What does it mean when you start to ban books? Because it doesn't stop there. 
right? And so I think our point is, look, we, we, we call the ad the black shirt ad mm-hmm. because it's a reference to what happened with Benito Mussolini and the yep. squads. They came to power. Fascists came to power via election at the beginning. We're watching this happen right now. And so in terms of disinformation, and Denver and I talk about this all the time, it's our passion. We talk about how do you counter, how do you permeate into those circles? And, and like, to Marcus's credit, grateful that people are willing to take a stand and take these people on. Yeah. Republicans do that. Yeah. They don't take breaks. They don't care that they might lose in that district. They are out there pounding the pavement every single day together with Fox News. Yeah. We know that. I watched the Trump administration do it internally. Yeah. Texting, you know. That whole thing. We saw how that played out. How that play, it played on January 6th. And, you know, Denver, you were involved in, in that investigation. Because you have such a radicalized base in the party that is so loud, I think it's tempting for people that are in the Democratic side to say, well, that's all. There, there are no Republicans who aren't like that. And that even Republican-leading independents are impenetrable because they're just zooming in on Fox News and watching it all the time. Is there a pragmatic argument that gets, that can put something between them and the radicalization? Is there some sort of, because policy arguments don't seem to work. Not really. And I think, I think what you're looking here, you have three people with a unique set of skills, right? We're all from intelligence backgrounds, really not politicians. But I think what you're looking at, when you're looking at Olivia Marcus and myself, we have a very specific mission, right? And that mission is only a few right now. We're not looking at everything across the spectrum because there are Republicans out there, right, that are common sense, they're facts-based, right? And they want the right thing for the country. And what you have here, when Olivia and Marcus reached out to me, you know, I said, there's only one criteria, and that's that the people that we're supporting are sane. <laughs> that would it, right? be nice. It's facts over fantasy, right? Yeah. And so really, what since we are intelligence professionals, since we did this, we came up with a way to describe this. And we, you know, when we were in the military, we had something called a prioritized integrated target list or a piddle, right? We have a prioritized integrated candidate list or a pickle, right? So our issue here is that we need to have the right pickle here. We have yeah. to put it together, right, in order to go after these individuals in a way that takes research data, mm-hmm. but very pointed ads that actually right. hits them in their weaknesses, right? Yeah. And that's something that we're all very good at. And I think, listen, we're fighting in the seams. I know we're fighting in the 3 to 5% seam area, but my goodness, I would not rather fight this with anybody, right, than, than, than Olivia and Marcus right now because they're sane. And I think it does matter that you all have intelligence and military backgrounds, because this is sort of almost a project of dealing with an insurgency, okay. right? We're dealing with an insurgency inside of our own country. So I will go to you because you did you did try to do it in in, uh, in Georgia. You know, I, I know in, you know, Kentucky, the way that the previous uh, governor, the previous Democratic governor, the father of the current governor, the way he got around people's uh, resistance to Obamacare was called a connect. And then the subsequent Republican got thrown out of office because he tried to take connect away because people didn't understand, well, that's Obamacare, right? Is it about how you message policies that actually give people health care and give people things but change the name? Like, what do you do to get people to say, no, you want health care more than you want to ban the 1.0001% of trans kids from playing sports? You know, one of the things that I did throughout the campaign was I met people where they were. And that's where we started the, 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 the conversation because a lot of people are, and you just talked about it, inundated with this misinformation and disinformation from a news organization that just got successfully sued and, uh, you know, settled out of court, paid a huge fine. Mm -hmm. We have the conversation where they are. And then we talk about the things that are important. And we talk about people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, people like Boebert, people like Gates, who aren't doing a thing for their district. They're not doing a thing. They're not working on policies. They're working on fear and fascist movements. I am old enough to remember when 
politicians were judged by how much they brought home to the district. Yeah, Literally. Remember that? Absolutely. Remember? Did you bring home the good old resources? Days? It really seems that that is completely irrelevant. You're a, you're, you're a member of Congress. It doesn't seem that, that y'all are not judged that way anymore. Well, I mean, you're judged on trolling. You know, it's amazing. You know, when I did the two years there, my thing was technology, right? I want to rule broadband. I was able to expand that with tens of millions of dollars. I worked across the aisle with Abigail Spanberger, right, to make that happen. We worked the Insure and Lasting Smiles Act because my district, seven federally funded health centers, right? The Virginia's huge, right? Yeah. The, my district was bigger than New Jersey. So the most funding for pre-existing conditions in healthcare was going into my district, and they said they were against the ACA. And I had to go in there and actually talk to them and say, you're against the very thing that's funding these centers, guys. Right? And actually, that, that did help a bit because, yeah. like, yeah, I want my health care. But I think in Congress, I actually thought it was solution-based. I thought I had to go in there and solve a problem. But really, you know, they just wanted to be, you know, to be popular or to be clickbait, right? Yeah. It's, really, it's really trying to, I really think it's trying to utilize clicks and hyperbole and outrage in order to make money or to actually be famous in some way. And yeah. I think service is not about fame, obviously. <laughs> so... <laughs> But it is since Trump. I mean, the thing about it is I, I see and you worked for him. So, you know, Donald Trump is a celebrity who then became a politician. And it does seem to me that a lot of the politicians who followed in his wake think they can replicate that. But they're not celebrities, right? But they're getting a kind of celebrity out of doing what they're doing. How do you break that chain? Yeah, it's permeated throughout. I think that's the problem. I mean, it's it's the grift. And they get the clickbait yeah. and they're raising the money. Right. And that that is one thing um, where I think it's important to take a stand against these people because they're raising money and they spread it around. They play as a team. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's important to remember that. Yeah. that. That's also what we're up against. And so I think when I look at these candidates and I look at, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, I saw her doing the wave down there at Mar-a-Lago on indictment day. Remember that? Yeah. She was doing the walk the red carpet down there like she was a celebrity because yeah. she thinks she is. She's not serving her community. At She's all. not serving the people of Georgia at all. She spends more time mudslinging at hearings like we just saw this week, just spreading whatever she wants to spread she's, because she wants to stage. She's get what she's giving people is feelings, feelings, feelings. I, I, what about what happened to F your feelings? Like, give me that kind of politics again. It's not about feelings. It's supposed to be about getting things done. Uh, Denver Riggleman, one of my favorite names. You know, I, I, I've had, I have enough kids, but I might think about Denver as a name. That's for my a dance name. It's so, a great yeah. name. Uh, Olivia Troy. It, great to have them on set. And also Marcus Flowers It's great to meet you. Likewise. And we're all on set together. We are. It's like a COVID miracle. Thank you all very much. Up next, Trump's numerous, numerous, many, many, many lawyers continue to get pulled into his criminal investigations for questioning. Yet the former president himself might not even show up in court. How does that work? More on Trump's multiple legal investigations next. At Consumer Cellular, you get the same exact coverage as the largest carriers, but for up to half the cost. Same thing, up to half the cost. Up to half the cost for the same thing. 50% the money for 100% the same thing. I hope I'm making myself clear. Consumer Cellular. When freedom calls, we're here to answer. Call us at 1-888-FREEDOM. Half the cost savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single-line 5-gigabyte data plan with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest-cost single-line postpaid unlimited talk, text, and data plan offered by T-Mobile and Verizon May 2023. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. 
While Donald Trump continues to use his Twitter knockoff platform to mount his so-called defense in the growing legal cases against him, his lawyers, eh, they're not faring much better. Today, another one of those attorneys, Boris Epstein, met with federal prosecutors working for special counsel Jack Smith. Not only is Epstein linked to both the special counsel investigations into Trump, he would be the fourth Trump lawyer that we're aware of that the special counsel has called in for questioning. And in the E. Jean Carroll rape trial that is starting next week, Trump lawyer Joe Tacopina failed in his attempt to get the judge to explain to the jurors that Trump's likely absence from the courtroom during the trial is, get this, due to traffic concerns. In a letter to the judge yesterday, Tacopina claimed that Trump wished to appear at the trial, but wanted the judge to tell the jurors that if Trump is a no-show, that that absence by design avoids the logistical burdens that his presence as the former president would cause the courthouse in New York City. Accordingly, his presence is excused unless and until he is called by either party to testify. Well, the judge responded today that no such instruction will be made to a jury, adding that Mr. Trump is under no legal obligation to be present or to testify. The decision whether to attend or to testify is his alone to make. There is nothing for the court to excuse. In other words, please stop. Go away. Goodbye. Joining me now, Paul Butler, former federal prosecutor, Georgetown Law Professor and MSNBC legal analyst. That judge was like, yeah, boy, bye. The judge, if you read the opinion, throws so much shade, it's not even funny. So Trump's lawyer was saying the jurors should be instructed that Trump isn't going to attend every day because it would be a burden to the court. So the judge was like, thing one, this is a federal courthouse in New York City. We know how to deal with logistics. Thing two, Trump has a secret service detail. They should be able to take care of his security. Thing three, during one of the trial scheduled dates, Trump was going to be campaigning for president in New Hampshire. He doesn't seem to have security concerns there. And thing four, the judge said, wasn't Trump just arraigned last week at the courthouse down the street? And that didn't seem to be a problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In other words, yeah. Please stop. Just <laughs> exactly. turn, don't even try it. OK, let's go to Boris Epstein for good. Those who've watched a lot of MSNBC remember him as a former uh, person I've contended with. Ari Milber has had him on. He's a not great uh, TV guest, but also <laughs> uh, not that great of a lawyer. Here is Boris admitting, admitting to being a part of the fake elector scheme. Here he is. I was part of the process to make sure there were alternate electors for when, as we hoped, the challenges to the seated electors would be heard and would be successful per the 12th Amendment of the Constitution and the Electoral Count Act. Everything that was done was done illegally by the Trump legal team, by, according to, to the rules and under the leadership of, of Rudy Giuliani. But Ari Melber's face was, I can't believe this man is admitting to a crime in front of me and try to hold it together. He was like, he's admitted to a crime in front of me. This is wild. Because Ari show was at some point going to be evidence. It could very well be evidence in a criminal Oh, interesting. Case. Yeah. So look, uh, Boris Epstein is the lawyer of Trump's dreams. He's Trump's Roy Cohen. His fingers are everywhere. So he was working with uh, the fake elector scheme with yeah. John Corkman, Corcoran with the Mar-a-Lago documents case. This guy is the one who brought uh, Corcoran and Christina Bob together to write that letter that right. said that they'd done a diligent search and they were sure all the documents had been turned over. And then the lawyers were like, uh, I'm not going to sign it. You sign it. And the other <laughs> lawyer was like, well, I'll sign it, but I'm not going to say it's true. I'll just say this is what I was told. Right. And so he's everywhere. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Jack Smith is looking to see, A, what he knows, right. and B, if he knows good stuff, whether he could be flipped. 
Wow. That that is wild. I have to really quickly ask you about the the, the Georgia case, because that is a case that feels like it's just pending, 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 pending. Does it surprise you that it's taking so long to wrap that up? Uh, I don't think Fannie Willis is in any hurry. Uh, She's got a special grand jury that's already made a decision. And so now she's got to present this evidence to uh, a regular grand jury. So that takes an amount of time. If you have to ask, if I had to answer whether I thought that there would be a prosecution in this case, Yes, I do. And that's where Trump faces the most exposure. If Ms. Willis decides to bring a racketeering case against him, he could face up to 20 years in prison. And this is a district attorney who is not shy about bringing those cases. She went after school teachers in Atlanta for cheating on a a standardized test. She locked them up for a long time for that. What Trump has done, or at least what he's accused of doing, it's much worse. Yeah, no, she she seems to be completely unbothered and unafraid. Of all of these cases, you that obviously sounds like it poses the most potential jail threat. What about the documents case? Because it feels like the Jack Smith case should be the fastest, but it seems to be very slow. Maybe that's because he had to get up to speed because he got appointed in the first place instead of the attorney general doing his job. So it's the most traditional public corruption case. Prosecutors like cases like that because they like to say that documents don't lie. Right. So Trump knew what he was supposed to do. Again, they've got Lots of evidence that he obstructed justice in order to get that search warrant. They had to provide probable cause to a district judge that obstruction had happened. That was persuaded. They've got videotapes of people moving stuff around. If Trump says that, well, he didn't know what was going on, that's not going to seem very credible. January 6th is probably the most consequential Again, we don't have to speculate about the damages there. People say, well, we don't know what he did with these classified documents. We know on January 6th that hundreds of officers were killed, that were were injured, uh, five people were killed, and the threats to our democracy are ongoing. Paul Butler, uh, always great to talk to you. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Yeah, in person. (laughs) We're having an in-person night. We love it. Thank you very much. Coming up next on The Readout, as South Florida faces massive flooding and gas shortages, their governor is touring the rest of the United States and declaring a war on woke, which he is losing. Stay with us. Where in the world is Ron DeSantis? Not in his own state, that's for sure, where Floridians are panicking over major gas supply issues after a storm last week brought torrential rain and flooding. Even Marco Rubio is mad about it. It's been four days. This should have been figured out by now. And they're blaming it on consumer panic. Yeah, people are panicked because they got to get to work. They got places to go. And you either can't find gas or you have to wait in line for like two hours down the street. What is up with Republicans fleeing their states during crisis? I'm looking at you, Cancun Cruz. But it's arguably worse for a governor like DeSantis to be MIA while their state is in peril since managing state crises is literally a governor's job. So we ask again, where is he? Ah, yes, he's on a book tour, pitching himself and showing off his presidential ambitions. He was in Ohio while South Florida was underwater, in a Georgia gun store days after the Nashville school shooting, and then in South Carolina, delivering word salad diatribes about woke while his own voters endure flash floods. So because the woke represents a war on truth, uh, we have no other recourse but to wage a war on woke. We fight the woke in the schools. We fight the woke in the legislature. We fight the woke in the corporations. We will never, ever surrender to the woke mob 
Florida is where woke goes to die. Woke, 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 seven times in 20 seconds. That's got to be a record. Expect more of that in his campaign mailers. A PAC supporting the pudding-fingered governor is sending out these presidential starter kits, showcasing the man who God made a fighter, including this cartoon showing Ron knocking out the woke elites. Kapow! Ron and Don sure do love those boxing rings. Last week, after taking a quick dip into Florida to sign a six-week abortion ban into law at midnight so no one could see him, DeSantis trekked to Washington to boost his national profile, only for a parade of Florida Republicans to endorse Donald Trump instead, including Mike Waltz, who represents the district DeSantis held before being elected governor. Reportedly, DeSantis' personality, or lag thereof, has something to do with it. That's got a sting, like, I don't know, too tight, high white boots, or those insults Trump has been flinging at him for getting owned by Mickey Mouse. Though remember, there was a time when Trump endorsed DeSantis, back in 2018 when his gubernatorial campaign boiled down to baby MAGA vibes and being a Trump sycophant. He even released a cringy ad showing his toddler building the wall with toy blocks and Ron reading his baby the art of the deal. But now the unthinkable has happened. DeSantis has surpassed the MAGA king in cruelty. His platform isn't about touting Trump anymore. It's about being meaner than Trump. When DeSantis does govern, the cruelty is always the point. Shipping migrants, including children, to Martha's Vineyard, pushing an inhumane immigration crackdown, and leading a crusade to ban the existence of LGBTQ people, which capped off this week with the state board approving an expansion of the ugly don't say gay law. So why is Ron DeSantis fixated on bathrooms and drag shows instead of a better Florida? as he gears up for an expected presidential run? Well, that is next. Florida Republicans were busy yesterday making sure that your kids don't get murdered in school and making sure that you can insure your home. Nah, just kidding. They actually spent the bulk of their legislative session targeting the LGBTQ plus community because Lord knows they're the reason that Fort Lauderdale is underwater or gas prices are high. Yesterday, a state board approved an expansion of the Don't Say Gay law, and the House passed bills on gender transition treatments, bathroom use, and keeping children out of drag shows. As Florida Republicans, who have a supermajority in the state, continue to assault minority groups, they are not doing so without a fight. Here's what State House Democrat Michelle Rayner Goolsby, who is the first openly queer black woman in the legislature, had to say about the expansion of Don't Say Gay. It is telling parents who love and support their children that the government knows better than you. It is telling teachers if they identify outside of this box that we want to create for them to go back in the closet or leave or stop teaching. It is telling children who identify as LGBTQ that this legislature's box is more important than their very life. It is picking and choosing history. Members, I would tell you that we are in midnight. We are in a historical midnight. Not because we have forgotten the power of our story, but because those in power know the power of our story. And they are seeking to ban it at every turn. We are in midnight. State Representative Michelle Rayner Goolsby joins me now. And uh, Sister, you, you uh, Sister Representative, I should say, uh, yes, Florida is in midnight. As somebody who lived there for 14 years uh, and had three children who were raised partly there, it's it's so makes me so sad, honestly, to see where the state has devolved. 
Just talk about how it feels, you know, to be you in that legislature when the the governor's uh, rapid response director, who used to be his chief troll and media director, tweets out an article about the number of LGBTQ parents leaving the state with an emoji waving goodbye, essentially saying, get the hell out of the state. How does it even feel to work in a legislature and with that governor? I mean, well, so first, it's so good to see you again, Joy. Um, you know, it's hard, right? Um, and I think what keeps me centered is that I'm very clear on my purpose of why I'm here. I'm very clear that I understand that we're in a super majority. And I said yesterday about the math isn't mathing, but I also believe that, uh, even though we don't have the physical numbers in the house that when we begin to talk and we begin to expose what is happening, that the people on the ground are able to see. And it's hard. I mean, I'm, you know, your good friend and my good friend, Senator Chevron Jones, and I talk yeah. often about this, about how you have to build relationships with people who say, I love you, but yeah. And when you say I love you, but you're not only rejecting the fact that I'm queer, you're rejecting the fact that I'm black, you're rejecting the fact that I'm a woman, how I show up, I, I show up in the fullness of who I am, but I'm also very acutely aware that there's a responsibility that I have in this moment, in this particular legislature, to show up for the people who are unable to walk in those chambers. Um, it doesn't feel good. I mean, I'm yeah. mad as hell. I am pissed off, um, but I also am very clear as to the purpose as to why I'm here. You know, the thing is, is that, you know, at the time, at, at a time when Republicans have a supermajority, meaning they could do anything policy wise that they want, when Fort Lauderdale is in crisis, when people are sitting in long gas lines, when there is a rent crisis, Miami has had the highest increase in rents in the entire country. When there is a teacher shortage of more than 5,000 teachers who are not coming back and teachers are quitting because they're terrified because they too are gay uh, or lesbian or are too afraid to teach there when books are being, they're banning books and banning gay people and banning drag shows and not fixing genuine problems that they really could be doing something about. They're letting more guns in and banning drag shows. What are they actually doing with that supermajority that is policy related? They're literally what they're doing is that they are attempting to erase anyone who is not a white Republican cisgendered heterosexual man. That's really what they are, full stop. And what is so interesting is that you made the point, Fort Lauderdale is underwater. Where is Governor DeSantis? Where has he been? He's on a hate tour. He is talking around every other state, but in the state of Florida. When I am forced to agree with Marco Rubio about where the governor is, I mean, make it make sense. You know, people often say to me, you know, rep, you always talk about the black stuff or the gay stuff. And I said, listen, I know you want me to talk about these boring kitchen table issues, but joy, here's the deal. If someone believes that you don't exist, I can't get you to that. You deserve to have safe and affordable housing. I can't get you to that. You deserve to have food security because you were starting with a premise that I don't deserve to exist. In fact, one of the bill sponsors of these transphobic bills said in committee that he wished he could erase the LGBTQ community. 
That is what we're dealing with in the state of Florida. And it is being sanctioned by Republican leadership and by Governor DeSantis. So this is what we're dealing with. So when we say that we are the party of the loyal opposition, we're not just doing it in word, but we're also doing it in deed. And so when I also want to make this very clear, there are people in this legislature that are pushing back day and night against this fascism, against this narrative, against making sure that all of our people are seen, all of our people are heard, and all of our people are represented here in the state of Florida. Well, I'll just tell you, we see you, we hear you, we support you. You do exist. Uh, you know, the community in Florida is finally standing up because one of the things that has heartened me is p- finally people are in these streets. And I hope that they get in yes. that voting booth because he only got that big reelect because 1.3 million voters stayed home. Florida State Representative Michelle Rayner Goolsby, thank you, thank you, thank you. And that is tonight's readout. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.